Good morning, Sussex Squad, Sussex Squad Nation, Sussex Squad supporters. Good afternoon, where you may be, if it's afternoon now. Um, wow, what an, I would like to say, incredible week. But it was a very heavy week. There's so much going on. Oh my goodness, what didn't we have this week? How are you guys doing? Charles and George. Yeah, happy Sunday, everybody. Um, good, good. It was a, to your point, it was a heavy and long week, but it was one in which we had both rain and sunshine. So I'm grateful for that. Um, and grateful for the chance to have been at least somewhat productive. Can, you know, feels like we got a lot done. I don't know. Looking back, it might just be that we're really tired. <laughs> one of the, one of the two. Um, but, uh, happy to be here now. What about you, Charles? Yeah, it is, uh, as you both mentioned, it's certainly been a heavy week, but, uh, you know, trying to hold on, uh, you know, wait for some sunshine. And what about you, Lady Sussex? <sighs> Giving the words that I'm, we are going to be doing this week, it is um, a very challenging one. It's one that um, tests me. It is one that was... Uh, um, until to today, I was not sure whether or not they were the right words at this time to do, but, but of course they are because that's all that's been in our news. Um, so yeah, it's been a very challenging week, but I was able to make it through by listening to our boy here, um, Baron from Royal Sussex that was killing it, continue doing an incredible job. And you have facts in two cents. This woman, oh my God, what else can I say about her? She is the ultimate, you know, investigator, reporter. Um, she's not, but I don't know. But the cut of work, um, the body of work, the body of evidence that she brought forward, um, it is incredible. It is incredible. So um, thank you for that, Facts and Two Cents. So yeah, so what is going on in Church Nelly Report? Sure. So for the Church Nelly Report today, uh, there's quite a quite a good bit of news, So, but we'll get through it pretty quick. Uh, the first and foremost is I have an update on the Kaboom that you guys are all aware of. So mm -hmm. the Kaboom Fund actually is up to $133,000 as of today. Wow. And it, uh, it is still keep going. So even though it's past uh, Elizabeth's birthday, um, which is the original intention, by the way. But uh, right. you guys are still just, um, you know, uh, doing what you do. So thank you so much for all your all your hard work. This is the kind of incredible thing that the royal, the Sussex is able to... Um, you know, inspired people around the world to actually find their um, service, their duty, and to actually, and this is what they try to take advantage of. And we have to be very careful on who we support and um, people that, you know, who try to pretending somehow that you know they are attached with the Sussexes but I don't have to tell you that Sussex was because you know you guys are the one that was informing me so I thank you for that so yeah so we have to stay um vigilant <laughs> uh, so what else going on 
No, completely concur. Definitely have to stay vigilant. Um, so the next is actually that on the 16th, it was announced that Prince Harry and Meghan uh, are ending their podcast deal with Spotify after delivering 12 episodes of Archetypes. No, you're worth. Yep. The news was announced in a joint statement between the streaming service and Archwell, no, Stu- and Archwell Audio uh, and the couple's podcast production company on Thursday night. No, you're worth. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Well, it's a huge loss for uh, Spotify. You know, it's a huge loss. It's not a loss for Harry and Megan. It's not a loss for Megan in particularly. This is a podcast that was number one for many weeks all around the world. And it's a podcast that have won what? <laughs> choice is choice award. I think the people choice award who have won so many other incredible prestigious awards. So, and it is a huge loss for Spotify. But at the end of the day, what we all have to understand is, is that now the Sussexes are being represented by massive, huge, Oh God, I cannot believe I'm using the word huge. Um, <laughs> it's put me in a head spin of thinking of somebody else that do use that word a lot. We had to hear it for four years. But um, they they have been representing but a huge... Oh God, here we go again. I'm using that word. What? Um, yeah, they've been representing by the real mouse. And this is a huge agency, huge agent, and anyone that who knows anything about agent, you know, representation, whether it's in the movie industry, the music industry, or even, you know, anybody who's a public face who's been representing by a firm like that, you know, deals gonna happen and some of it's gonna work, some of it's not, they're not gonna let, you know, who they're representing you know, to have a bad deal. So not that I know what's going on or what's the deal and why <laughs> they are splitting. But all I can tell you, looking at the report and the little understanding that I have around things like that, I would not be surprised that they couldn't make something work, especially if they are going through the kind of financial situation that's been reported that Spotify allegedly go, may be going through. But as I said again, it's not a loss for um, Megan at all. It's actually a huge win because they were able to, they will be able, from what I understand, take, you know, archetype anywhere they choose is really. And so that's huge. And there is a lot about to happen for the Sussexes because their brand is an international one. It's a massive one. That's the reason why you have all the Coonies, all the wannabes want to attach themselves with the Sussexes because they understand, you know, I mean, brain, it's something that, you know, Baron talked a lot about. And this is something that I have a real knowledge about. And I think both of you guys understand what it's, what a brain is. And, and so how that should be protected, but more so, you know, what you can do with a brain like theirs. So there's a lot we should look forward to. We should not be down. I disappointed that we may be because now we don't know when and, um, you know, I could have kind of come back, but he may be back a lot sooner than we think, actually. So, um, 
yeah, there's a lot of good going to be coming out for the Sussexes. Yep. Well, I mean, you know, I certainly think so. At the end of the day, they certainly have uh, the content and the audience. So, and they're going to go, and the audience is going to follow them wherever they happen to be, if it's Absolutely. Spotify or anywhere else. Absolutely. So I don't think they have anything to worry about. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, those agents must, they have to make the 20 or the 40%, you know? So, yeah. So the deal, whatever that may happen or went wrong, you know, like the, the Obamas and stuff like that, I mean... Everybody, honestly, where where wherever they are, whoever they're dealing with, the, because of the power of their brand that they've created and what they stand for, and the community that they've built around them, they have the upper hand in any uh, negotiation as it relates to to, to doing work like that. Absolutely, a, a, a podcast. So I think, it, to your point, it's not something to feel down about. It's probably just something to actually say, okay, let's see how this is going to play out. Of course, but to listen to the so-called medias, the tabloid media, it's, it's as if like, you know, <laughs> you know, the worst, or, you know, they, 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 I guess, um, the Christmas time come along like, to try to make people feel or think different than what just happened, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. It pretty much sounds par for the course. Exactly. So what else had going on? Yeah, the next piece of news is, um, you know, a nice thing. So uh, Megan actually is a patron of a charity uh, called SmartWorks. It's a UK-based yeah. charity. Yeah. Uh, and what they do is is actually very nice. They um, they all about supplying clothes and coaching uh, to help transform a woman's confidence uh, when they actually go out and look for interviews. Yeah. So yeah. if, uh, so if various women for whatever circumstances don't feel that they actually are prepared to interview in order to get another job, uh, what this charity does is actually go through and actually gives them uh, interview worthy clothes cleans them, does everything they need in order to get them ready, as well as actually coaching them about how to actually get the job right. uh, in order to kind of help us transform these women's lives. And so as a result, um, what happened is that uh, the CEO actually read a letter uh, to her uh, to her employees about what Megan wrote. And what Megan said is that I've always been proud to be a patron of this charity because clients are given so much more than just a wardrobe for their interviews. They're also given skills, confidence uh, that can last a lifetime. Know that every moment that you invest in being a client champion, you are investing in the future of women. You have limitless p potential to create positive change, and there are countless women who will benefit from your support. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's beautiful. It's inspiring. It's it just why we support this woman. I mean, she's incredible in her thinking and her thoughtfulness. I mean, she's just amazing. It, it's, it's always really sad for me when you looked at the kind of mediocre they tried to compare her to. And it just, it just sad. But we know her brilliance. And that's why we are here. So what else? Uh, the next thing is that everyone remembers last week when we were talking about Trooping the Color. Uh, it was actually held on the 6th. And oh, wow. unfortunately what it was, and for those who actually don't know, Trooping the Color marks the official birthday of Britain's monarch. And it's usually held in June. So uh -huh. that's actually what the thing is for. And it's basically a military parade for all intents and purposes. Uh, and it's the official monarch's birthday, even though it's not 
Charles's birthday. Charles' birthday is actually November 14th, but it's just kind of the ceremony for it. So it's known for its bright red uniforms, and they're very hot because they're very wool, which I don't understand why they do this festival in June, because apparently a whole bunch of people actually passed out from heat exhaustion. It's, it, why don't they change the uniform, not changing the uniform, make one that, that's much lighter? Because well, I believe they, they're carrying the bear. Don't they have like the hat is made with bear skin? Yeah, no, the whole thing is just like, I, I mean, mean, it's like a winter outfit. They should just do it in like, you know, October or something. Just choose a cooler month. Wow. So anyway, uh, so you have that going on, uh, which is unfortunate, but I hope everyone is doing well and is uh, recovering. And then uh, another piece of news is that everyone may remember Jeremy Clarkson. So he's rather infamous in terms of what he's been saying about Megan and, uh, and then also basically being pushed off the air for his horrible comments uh well apparently he's been rushed to a doctor for losing his hearing oh oh yeah. so oh um is that the diana curse that's continue as they said seems like several it. instances of it so but uh with that it kind of wraps up the news well the church and Alley report as we say wonderful wonderful and George, what about you? Well, we have um, to again express our shock, awe, and humility and, and just gratefulness for our members and our supporters, our subscribers, everyone who's commented. Um, <clears throat> in particular, this week, our newest member, Ruth C. Uh -huh. uh, thank you so much, Ruth. Uh, who's joined uh, Travel Chamo, Maddie B, Beretta Batanga, Marvel Walker, Black Pearl, Kimberly Orr, Patricoa Marcel, Diane Hawkins, Lydia Washington, Kay Castillo, T. Higgins, and Don Robinson Gales as our members. Thank you so much. To thank you, everybody. You. Really appreciate it. We are thinking about you. Um, we certainly don't Gemma. deserve it, but, <laughs> but we are so, so grateful. Yeah. So, we, do we have any comments? We that had we so, so many good comments uh, last week, uh, and we were truly enjoying them as always. Uh, so, please uh, keep them coming. Um, and I actually have four-ish. Four-ish, I'll explain uh, the ish at the end. Uh, the first one is, is Lorna Williams, who wrote uh, excellent podcast, Lady Sussex, Charles, and George. Talking points at one time used to be a jump-off point to have an intellectual conversation and shape events in historical moments. An excellent example is racism as a talking point, James Baldwin, and, and the Dick Cavett conversation. That's not the case anymore. Talking points are now shaped by the analytic responses on Twitter and other social media channels, and now there is no talking involved. A thumbs-up is seen as a way to shape a talking point. The computer runs an analysis on the common words and viewers' comments, and that is seen as a talking point with no further research being done. Morning show hosts get their talking points during makeup for that show and are expected to give opinions that hit the objectives and words that their producers have identified as talking points and targets from comments from their most ardent viewers. So in the headline, Harry and Meghan are the talking point, even though they could have been sitting at home for a month. Talking points are no longer about shaping historical narrative, but about shaping a narrative for monetary gain. Thank you, Lady Sussex, Charles, and George. Wonderful. Great comment. It is a great comment. It is, it's an important thing that we'll probably have to, to revisit and dive in deeper in future services. It's just yeah. how all of this is even more uh, potent and uh, turbocharged with the changes in technology and how they're... Yeah, especially she things. mentioned James Baldwin. We knew, I mean, I've spent 
countless, you know, I don't know how many hours just listening to this man. Um, I would have loved to have known him and been, you know, in the same home, exist in the same time. This man was, this man was, is, is he still alive? No, 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 of course not. Yeah. I mean, there is like, he used to go to these universities, universities and just making speech or sort of on the kind of debate. You know, I mean, I am like a really a huge fan of James Baldwin. Like, I think, um, yeah, and I've done a lot of report, you know, on him. Um, so yeah, wonderful. It was good to, to see his name mentioned. Yeah, he actually passed in December 1st, uh, 1987. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. But he was amazing. Yeah, yeah. And our next comment is a very sweet one, um, and we really loved reading this one, is from Sonia Alexander, who wrote, uh, Happy Sunday to Lady Sussex, Charles, and George, and our congregation. Blessings in abundance to our squad community. I have an answer to the question, why do they hate Megan? It's simple. Her beautiful spirit irritated their inner demons. Envious big brother. He is salted because despair is throne-worthy and have a well-spoken, intelligent wife that in his own words is the complete list. I am not on Twitter or Instagram. I only listen to Pro Sussex Squad podcasts on YouTube and that's it. I'm a nurse who works uh, the 11 to 7 a.m. shift and I enjoy listening on repeat as I work and put my phone in my pocket as I make my rounds. Keeps me company. God bless and thank you for your time and effort to bring Sunday service to us. That one got me tear up a little bit. I'm not sure why. I think it's because of I have a thing for um, nurses, doctors, anybody in the healthcare um, space that care for people. Um, it just, it just to hear her actually just listening to us and just as she's doing around and, and, and helping it, it just, there's something about it that feels special, but that feel like, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it just, um, I, for whatever the reason, um, the whole week I was thinking about her. Definitely. I mean, to hear that someone, you can help keep someone company at, uh, working a late shifts when they're trying to do such important work and, and you can help at, in any way, in any small way That's of, right. of doing that. It, it really means a lot. So absolutely really sweet to, to read that. Absolutely. What else? You said you have four. This yeah. is second, right? Yeah. The third one is uh, from Lavertha August, uh, who wrote, Harry had a chance to back out and take a payoff and be done with his claims against an unscrupulous media. But his staying power to continue on is not just for his family, but for a greater change for all. Whether his claims are given the justice they deserve, I will remember Harry as a man who did not lose his courage, his character, or his self-respect in taking on the media lines and exposing the destructive tactics they employ against their targets. Harry and the other claimants have had to carry on the pain of public humiliation and worse, but they have persevered until their time to be heard. Being heard worldwide is giving them victory in the court of public opinion, in my opinion. Remember that Joshua fought the Battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. Who can say that Harry and the rest of the claimants cannot do the same to the media monsters? 
Those who want to say that Harry could have found a better way to handle his media problems because he can't win, well, in some attempts it is even glorious to fail. Mahali Harry to the end, victory to all in these lawsuits. Absolutely. I couldn't say it any better. And I think you can see something has to change. Something will change. And I think you can see this week that we had an apology, which um, Baron um, read beautifully and and, uh, from this editor um, of uh, one of those magazines out in Australia, I think. New Zealand, correct. And so, you know, there's going to be many more of that because we are in a space at the moment that I don't know if anyone could have actually standing up onto this powerhouse, these people that have affecting all part of our lives, but Harry. And yes, he's paying a huge price and probably going to continue paying a huge price. And that's included his kids. And God knows we see what they've done and have done and continue doing to his wife, Megan. And his mother paid the ultimate price. So I I, I think um, people are coming to in tune what is really happening and why change is necessary. I think it's a time like many of big time in our life. Maybe people are unable to see it at the moment. But I do think that, you know what, a couple of years from now, maybe five, ten years, we're probably going to talk about the defining time for media overall. What media is and should be or need to be and um, in people's lives. And I think Harry's name will go down in history of the one that who did that. Couldn't agree more. Because this is not about whether he wins his case or not. It's just the fact that, you know, it was about time. You know, people say, no, not this time. Exactly. And our final comment-ish of the, well, having got to the ish yet, but the final comment, the fourth one, is from the one and only uh, Baron of Royal Sussex. Oh my goodness. You know, I mean, I know I've read it and it's, it, but just hearing his name and, and he's commented like almost like I feel like, you know, like when you think, Oh my God, how I didn't do something wrong. <laughs> because he's such an inspiration to me and, and he's someone that I look up to, for, you know, to do this work. And this is, you know, amazing and, and, the opportunity that I was giving to be able to do this, and I didn't know I can actually do it. Um, but really, it it it's. I don't know what to say about Baron, but it's all I can say is that you know I took this work very seriously. There's nothing that I'm doing or try to do that I don't think of, of him about him, because my parents always tell me, you know, nobody makes it alone. There's always someone that will open the door for you and make sure that, you know what, you keep the door open for somebody else. What it means is is that, you know, you all will be, he took a chance on us without even really knowing us. And the fact that he was able to send his own listeners towards us, and that's opened the door for us to extend our podcast and speak to a wider audience. That's a huge, you know, um, 
thing to do and a scary thing, especially in the world of social media, to take that kind of risk of doing and not knowing what that person probably, they may be doing something good today's and tomorrow, but who knows what they're going to come up, you know, and how that's going to affect what he's doing and how that's going to affect the person that, you know, he's actually really supporting. Because I know in the past we have have, you know, someone which we all, the Sussex squad, think that was very pro the Sussexes and then turn around to be, you know, we're all disappointed about that. And everyone knows who I'm talking about. And so I, I everything I do, I think of him. So I always feel like, oh my God, I hope, I hope I did, we did him, um, proudly and, and we representing the Sussex, um, nation, you know, in a good light. So go ahead. <laughs> no, you, you put it perfectly. I think, uh, it would be, it would it'd be disingenuous of us to suggest that we don't feel that pressure every Sunday of, of living up to the, the standards that we see in this community of absolutely of, of um and 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 basically I don't know how to, how how well to say it but to your to what you were saying about how he really did open this door for us to to actually show that it was the right <laughs> the right thing to do you know to 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 live up to that so um thank you again Baron by the way and thank you for this comment. Um, this comment <clears throat> is, uh, thank you all for this conversation. The talking points is the reason I have given up on most television talk shows and news programs. I find it an exhausting waste of time. It only reinforces most individuals points of views. Certain panelists are more adept at it than others. In most political debates, I often find myself on the losing side of the conversation. Far too often the person that I expect the champion, my point of view, finds it difficult to speak over someone like a hoghead Piers Morgan. Those types of panelists won't do well if they have if they don't have a confrontational personality. Fortunately, Dr. Shola doesn't seem to suffer from such a lack of ability. It is very important when you're in those settings that you demand respect. Absolutely. Couldn't say it any better. It's so true, though, too, unfortunately, that there's oftentimes the, the people who have very important things to say uh, and are on the right side of history are not always the ones who are the most rhetorically adept and can sometimes in conversation with someone like a Piers Morgan or someone else who is just good at yelling and shouting and talking over people or, or these rhetorical devices that help you win an seem like you're winning an argument, uh, end up dominating conversations when really they don't have the substance to back it up. And to be honest, it's something that, you know, I feel, you know, it, I realize, um, maybe a couple of years ago, you know, the game and, and I wish like it, it's that kind of bully mentality. I'm going to shut out at you. I'm going to sort of, you know, just to, you know, intimidated you so to speak they don't let you speak you know but you know i people are studying not really accepting that you know and and i seen it happening you know in england where 
if you are saying something that they don't want to hear or you coming or course of like you're pro something that they not they try to sort of overpower you you know over you know taking what it is that you are saying just to shush you or something like that and people are getting tired and realizing that in fighting back you know sort of i think i think people are just sick of it but i totally understand where he's coming from for sure and uh, just to to wrap up this section of the service today, the ish uh, of the four ish that I mentioned is actually a comment that I'm not going to read or even name because uh, it's it's not the point. Is someone who maybe a troll, maybe maybe not, maybe just misinformed. But one way or another, the the comment that they wrote in was basically criticizing uh, Harry and Meghan and actually attempting to, to quote scripture against them uh, in in the idea of them not honoring their their father and thy, and thy mother as is as is commanded in the Bible and it just struck me and I as, think one of the um, thing that you know the most um, one of the most ridiculous we, things that I've heard because well, I think it just you know the Democrats completely here belies in the, the fact of what does it actually mean to always guilty honor of your is that you know sometimes they mother. come it's know, Father's Day. <laughs> they want to be, no. you know, the today. quiet one, so to you, speak, you, you know, the, the intellectual thunder. one, and then not want to okay. get into well, a show do it and action, do it stuff again. like that. Or no, one okay. of the things that it's I always okay. hear that we, um, or both sides It is, and both I think that's actually the reason why I wanted to bring the comment up. Both sides do it. In particular, is because it is Father's Day. So happy Father's Day to everyone out there. That's right, happy Father's Day to you all. Um, you know, said no, and I think you know, that's a that's a yell. good you thing for us to keep in I'm mind like, with who Harry is, both to his father and as a father, um, that he is really living the example that many of us can can look to and follow and say, look, this is actually how you honor your father uh, and how you be a a great father. Absolutely, I mean, he is the example. What a uh, supporting father should be you know to 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 your kids you know and um and, i mean his 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 uh role his his being a role model as a father is very clear it's yeah. it's fantastic but even even to his father as a son honoring his father he the work that he is doing right now it is perhaps not obvious to many people. It is perhaps uh, it's seemingly contradictory, but the work that he's doing and the fight that he has taken on is actually work that is honoring his father. Absolutely, and, 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 and it's basically whole the, the the whole thing is. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, if you looked at it, the stories, the countless stories that in just a last week about most of the the, the royals. I mean, come on. You looked at the Sussexes. I mean, they they make these people look good. Sure. I mean, there's a difference here, and everybody can see it. Everyone can see it. So, should we get the show started? Do you have something to say, Charles? I was just saying, you know, I I know where you're coming from that they make these people look good. But in my own perspective, I think the reason why they're so pissed is because they make them look bad because they, you know, they are a reflection of what they should be or what they could be, but they're not. Yeah. Well, and so it just exposes the fact that the fraud, they're, they're frauds. Yeah. But I, when I say make but them I know, look I know good, you, I know what you because mean. Because they can't always. I know. What, no, yeah. I know. I totally know what you mean. Yeah. I totally yeah. Know but, you mean. but yeah, you're all right about that. 
So, Josh, let's get the show started. Wait, 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 wait. You can't, can't rush into these things. You gotta, you gotta make sure, especially today, with the words that you've, you've chosen, which I am both excited about and a little bit scared of. Um, especially today, we have to remind everyone that we are not experts. Um, we don't claim to be. Uh, we would love to have some experts on the show at some point, uh, who can help us do a better job. Uh, and we're not here to change anyone's beliefs. Um, what we are here to do is to share what we believe to be true, which is that, uh, it is important to stop and pause and think critically about the words that are used in everyday life, uh, that we are bombarded with, uh, in TV, on TV and in, in publications and to say, well, what does this actually really mean? And how is this shaping the, the way in which we live and the way in which we relate to each other. Because if we can understand them better, then perhaps we can make the world a better place. Absolutely. Let's go. Don't be afraid. We are society. Built on love. Built on tolerance. Built on love for each other. Acceptance. Give them love. Give them love. Don't matter what you look like. Don't matter what you believe. But just believe in love. I'm talking to Philly. I'm talking to London. I'm talking to D.C. Sussex Squad, Sussex Squad Nation, Sussex Squad supporters. Today we have two really big words, very difficult words, words that we have, you know, used that have impact us, affect us all through our lives and to look at what's been going on this week and the last couple of years and why we actually here, you will understand that, you know what, it's, it's, it's a word that, you know, worth looking to, but it's a word that I don't think we'll be able to do justice because we are not the kind of thinker or the kind of expert or, um, to do these word justice, but we are curious. We would like to get into them and see what been written about those two words. And it will just to help us to have some kind of understanding, not the whole understanding, um, but at least some kind of understanding. A part, one. A part <laughs> exactly, of, of, of that. And those two words are lies, hate. Everybody stay silent. <laughs> so you could imagine. It, it scares me. The words hate scares me. It scares me to talk about because I've seen and know the effect of it. Whether it's our, co our community, whether it's things that are happening and continue happening around the world. And specifically the race war that seems to be taking place at the moment. So... The word hate, it, it, it's a huge thing to me. So, Charles, how should we look at the word lies? Sure. So, with lies, it's interesting, actually. For So, for both words and doing a little bit of research I did, um, it's quite interesting just when you start comparing them to some of the words that we've done in the past. Because, one, they're fairly old, as you can imagine. Really? Lies? It's, it's old. They're fair, Yeah, they're mm -hmm. both actually old. Uh, but also... The depth of these words is is much 
much greater than I would have originally anticipated because obviously um, in coming to this discussion, I knew kind of the direction that we were trying to take it and then obviously kind of what it is that we mean, but obviously there's a lot more behind these words than at first you may assume. So first and foremost, there's, you know, there's obviously the noun that we're referring to, but there's also an intransitive verb as well as transitive verbs. And when you start packing them all together, you're talking about at least 15 definitions of just this one word. So it, there's a lot of depth. So we're only going to go into the noun because that's what we're referring to. And we don't necessarily need to go and spend our time on some of these other words that don't really pertain to the, to the conversation. But as I mentioned before, in terms of the historical root, um, it was first known to be used in the 12th century and it, everyone uses it. Everyone has their own little piece about how they actually wanted to derive it and basically how they wanted to actually express it. So it's a root in Middle English. There's a root in Old English. There's a root in High German. There's a root in Latin. And there's also a root in Greek, all meaning around the same thing. So it's it's just very interesting. And hate actually is very similar in that way. So for lies, the noun. The first definition that we have is, is an assertion of something known to or believed by the speaker or writer to be untrue with the intent to deceive. So an example of that would be that he told a lie to avoid punishment. The next definition is um, kind of a derivative of that. And it's an untrue or inaccurate statement that may or may not be believed true by the speaker or the writer. And an example of that is the lies we tell ourselves to feel better. That's right. mm -hmm. uh, the next basically is something that misleads or deceives. So, mm -hmm. and then finally a charge of lying. That's basically what it is in terms of uh, more of a judicial sense in terms of what the meaning is. So I'll guess simply, so that's the noun. That's basically what we're going to be referring to in the rest of this discussion. But because I mentioned there's so many other definitions, I'm just going to throw out a couple of the others just to kind of get you in mind in terms of some of the other things that is also there because they're varied. Uh, and that's what's kind of surprising because obviously I knew the implications and obviously the meanings behind these words, but it just didn't connect because of, of obviously the way we're trying to use it today. So the first one is very easy because it's basically to assume a horizontal position as in to lie down. Makes sense, right? Well, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Right. That's one. Yeah, just get it. Yep. Yeah. Right. Pretty straightforward. The next is to have sexual intercourse. Yeah. Didn't for to, to lie with. Is basically, is very biblical, but that's what it means. To lie with is a way in having sexual intercourse. Uh, another is to uh, remain inactive as in concealment. In order, and in, in, in for this particular one is to lie in wait. So there's always these kinds of different iterations that you can actually take it that lie actually means a lot of different things depending on how it's actually used. So I just found it kind of fascinating because, you know, at first blush, it just, I, I, I just would not think so. So, um, skipping through the other 15 to give us some historical context behind actually lie. Uh, I was looking for actually some of the most famous lies, uh, around the Royal family and what was actually spoken, what was actually said and some of the, um, ramifications of that lie. 
So the one that I actually found was actually very interesting. It's about King George the Fourth. And according to a royal historian, in the year 1820, King George IV wasn't really happy with his wife, Queen Caroline. In fact, George was desperate to get a divorce, but since the only acceptable reason to do so at the time was adultery. Therefore, there was only one thing for him to do. He launched an epic smear campaign against Caroline, and take he actually even took it to Parliament in a very, very public way and actually exposed the queen's alleged affair. However, it didn't go well for George. The public was happy enough to hear the sordid details, but it also promptly sided with Queen Caroline, knowing full well that the king himself was hardly blameless in the matter of adultery. It didn't exactly help that the queen's attorney, Lord Boringham, uh, roughed up his majesty's integrity with accusations of conspiracy, bribery, and the threat of the king's revelations about his own debauchery. George actually drew comparisons to his unsavory Emperor Nero of Rome, which I think is actually kind of hilarious because the difference is. And, and although the king's motion was ultimately passed, the public opinion was so overwhelming on Caroline's side, the government decided to play it safe and actually withdraw the claim. So at the end of the day, the king's attempt to slander Queen Caroline cost him the support of the entire public, and the circus around the pair's animosity sparked the beginning of the tabloid press. And so there's where we are. That's the reason why the yellow press, the yellow press actually appeared in the tabloids, is because of the attention this case actually brought, and then obviously the attentions of the royals. So full circle. <laughs> full circle. Is it? One grand lie, and then here we are. Now you guys understand why I choose these words. And um, honestly, though, that's pretty crazy. the 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 scenario that prompted its this industry's creation is a I don't know I don't know enough about it to call her blameless, but at least a woman being a, a smear campaign against a woman uh, by a powerful force gave rise to this institution, and it may be the very thing that. That leads to its downfall. That's, yeah, but when, that's when, but, but when you think of everything that you're just saying, <clears throat> the fact that that gives um, sort of light to the tabloids, and you looked at the tabloids today, and you see the count lies that, you know, that being told. I think it's important that, you know, you guys, we revisit a little bit of all the famous lies that we all come to know, you know, like the Kamala Tamini story, uh, Megan make Kate cry. That was a lie. We also know about the avocado, you know, story. If you guys remember, I'm sure you do because those are all famous. <laughs> we have in the Telegraph, you know, the story about the woman, you know, of the, you know, that Megan uh, helped with the cookbook. What they say about them that they linked them to the jar, you know, the Taliban to the Taliban, right? We also know the lies that um, which one of them? I think that you know it's so sickening that somehow making pregnancy is <laughs> a fake one. That was a famous one, and we also one that was on the news. All the time, had a blindside the queen. 
when they decided to, you know, break apart. I mean, all those lies. If they had a dollar for every time that they were lied about. And it's, it's a continuation all the time. No, it's, uh, it reminds me actually of, um, the comparison that they did of, and it was not really that long ago either about the amount of articles that actually comes out regarding Megan specifically, but even Megan and Harry versus that of, um, the other one's wife. And it was what, like it was one to like 42 was the ratio uh, between the number of articles and the number of attention that they get. And then all of them basically are, are, are shameless lies. It I just mean, happens all so the time. Many. And it's just, it, it's literally a tidal wave every day of just nonsense. There's so many lies after lies after lies of mis, you know, leading stories, you know, sort of, you know, I mean, it, it, you could go on and on. So Josh, what do you have? What, what is the expert, you know, are saying the well yes <clears throat> a, a, a selection of of some of the experts anyway because to your point there's these are huge words and there's a lot uh to discuss with them and um definitely definitely hope we <laughs> we do it, it give it at least a little bit of justice as a in a part one because we'll, we'll almost certainly have to revisit them because of how big they are um on the on the topic of lies it's one that's um interesting because when you have sort of a gut reaction to it, it's that it's obviously, it's a bad thing, you know, um, it's not the truth. So it's a lie. So it's, so it's not good. Um, but it's also, uh, and that's probably the, the area that we'll deal with mostly for this conversation, but it's so broad that, uh, there are times when it's not so clear, the, the morality of it. Um, there's a, a really excellent article titled the historical significance of lying and dissimulation, um, which I'll read a couple, the, maybe the first two pages or so from, but there are times and it's clear if you go back through history where, um, to preserve one's life or to preserve one's culture. I mean, if you look back at the, uh, even just like the Holocaust to feign this sort of what's, what's referred to as dissimulation to not actually show who you are to protect your life. It is a lie. It, you know, it's not telling the truth, but it is not a bad thing either. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a good thing. It's a whole area of philosophy and ethics and morality that is much bigger than we could cover in a, in a single show. So I don't think we'll, we're not even going to attempt to do that, but we'll kind of, we'll, 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 we'll brush past some of this, the certain ideas. Um, but just to, to read this, to give some, some frame of mind for, uh, getting into it in a bit more detail. Um, it's Perez, uh, Zagarin who wrote, uh, and starting this article that Montaigne, whose essays reflected upon lying as they did on so many other things in human life, once observed that the opposite of truth hath many, many shapes and an undefinite field. This remark is borne out by the current literature on lying, which seems to have become an extensively discussed, even somewhat fashionable subject among social scientists. 
a bibliography on lying and deception given to me several months ago, compiled from recent writings on social psychology, contained over 300 entries. Included among them were titles like Cultural Differences in Deception, Motivations to Deceive in Samoans and North Americans in 1994, False Suspicion and the Misperception of Deceit in 1987, Sex Differences in Lying, How Men and Women Deal with the Dilemma of Deceit in 1993, Mystification and Deception in the Presidential Press Conferences 1976, and Lying and Detecting Lies in Organizations 1989. He goes on and on, and I will skip uh, forward a bit. He says, perhaps one might speculate that since the appearance in 1978 of Cicela Bach's important and widely noticed book, Lying, Moral Choice in Private and Public Life, the concern with lying and deception has continually increased. Bach's work was actuated by worry over declining standards of truth-telling, and for this reason apparently touched a nerve. It coincided with growing skepticism and mistrust felt among Americans and in other Western nations about the veracity of governments, officials, politicians, as well as lawyers, the medical profession, and business corporations. This attitude may be traced back to the period of the Vietnam War and even before, and perhaps provides part of the explanation for the expanding attention within the social sciences to the matter of lying. So I thought that that was a just an interesting thing that it, and that's that that article specifically is actually published in 1996 so uh in terms of this idea of a declining standards of truth telling uh this growing focus on lying and and a and its root in uh, mistrust amongst different parts of society it's just something that's probably even stronger now than it was in 1996 and that's what they were writing about then yeah, what I mean, as you just, you know, articulate really, really well, you know, when it comes to that sort of lie thing, it's depending. I mean, you have lie that cause harm. There's lies that, you know, is to pretty much save your life. And there is lies that will sort of help you getting a job or lies that, you know, who help you get through the next stage or being seen even. And so it's one of those kind of words that, you know, it, it's, I would love to really speak to an expert, a psychiatrist or someone that is in that kind of knowledge to better understanding. And I'm sure that it will be quite interesting to see how the Sussex squads, um, you know, defining that word in the comments, you know, certainly this week, certainly looking forward to the comments for this week. Um, and to, and to that, where you're going, actually the, the next, uh, academic that we'd like to just bring forward is, uh, actually Nathan Rodenstrike who wrote, uh, an article titled online. And he wrote the, the getting to the heart of it is that lying is one of those problems in which the relation between the ethical and intellectual realms is brought out in a rather striking manner. And this re relation requires elucidation since it can show us how the intellectual realm may serve as a guide to the ethical one. Um, because they really are, there's two completely different ways of thinking about lying, both in terms of the morality and, and ethics of it, and also just uh, intellectually, what it, what even is it? Um, and so he takes, um, uh, he goes, goes on saying the following observations are taken up with analyzing the questions raised by this problem. Uh, let us begin by stating the problem. The concept of truth posits two concepts in opposition to it, which tend to merge. Error, on the one hand, and lying on the other. 
error is the absence of truth, and one can confine error to the assertive side, that is, an assertion which is not true. And lying, however, the other factor is present, and this is what Charles had gotten to with one of the definitions at the beginning. It is not a matter of accidental, but of intentional error. There are even cases when the statement itself is true, and yet may be classed as a lie. I may wish to deceive someone and thus misinform him about a certain situation, yet it may turn out afterwards that my statement was not erroneous in itself, even though it was a lie. It follows that there is no simple correspondence between error as a statement and lie as a statement with intention to deceive. The statement as such may be true, but considered from the aspect of its intent, it is a lie. This distinction makes it clear to us that the problem of lying is one of intent and motivation of conduct and not of consequences or consequences alone. The main thing about lying is not the erroneous character of the statement, but its intention to deceive. You know, it's amazing. As you're reading that, one of the things that quickly come to my mind is that, you know, it's Angela Levin. When you think that, you know, who would in articles was, was giving, you know, um, a pass to be able to follow Harry maybe for a week or two. And just for an interview or an article, and yet she went on, she wrote a whole book and doesn't even know the man. And she continued talk a lot of smacks about them, always alluding, always alleging that they may have a camera, they may have like, you know, Netflix, you know, like when you looked at it, you say, well, yeah, well, she did write the, the, the article about it. Maybe they, she knows something. She's a part of the circle, the royal circle. So maybe she knows something. Do you understand what I mean? It's, it's exactly that fit. Like, you know, you thinking, because this is the, what the problem is. If you think about it, the so-called royals, uh, um, Co-respondents, experts. experts, do you understand? No, nothing. And because their, 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 their relationship with the royals, because of whatever that may be going, in my opinion, with them, and taking pictures. And so you think these people, they actually say something valid, something true. And for those of us that who doesn't know all the in and out of royal's life, then you tend to believe what they say. You know, it's so, it's so, that's a perfect, I'm going to have to segue. I was going to go with the rest of what uh, the last author said, but you just, because you set it up so perfectly, just to jump ahead to the, the next uh, uh, journal article is actually titled, what is wrong with lying by Paul Faulkner and, and it's in published yeah. in the philosophy and phenomenological yeah. research. Mm -hmm. And so what he, what he writes is that one thing that's wrong with lying is that it can be manipulative. Um, okay. And yes, that's, that seems obvious, but he says, understanding why lying can be a form of manipulation involves understanding how our telling someone can give someone a reason to believe it. And understanding this requires seeing both how our telling things and invites trust and how trust can be a reason to believe someone. And so he goes on and his paper is about out, outlining that mechanism by which lies are successfully manipulative by, um, through the mechanism through which they are told because that mechanism is uh, uniquely creates this sort of trust and relationship um, and ends up having the speaker 
being trusted by the listener and as a result being able to be more easily manipulated just by the fact that the lie is told in the first place. And so uh, the lie, the a lie is in and of itself what it is, but the fact the active delivery of the lie uh, ends up being manipulative because there is this, um, because we are social beings, um, we end up hearing something like you're saying, especially if it's from a, a someone who claims to have authority or have this title or be in a impressive journal or whatever it is, uh, in a, in a publication. And it ends up, we end up implicitly wanting to trust them and want to believe them. And so it's, you're, you're more able to effectively lie when you're yeah, in those and positions. Also, and also to, you know, I mean, we, we can go even to one of the famous, you know, uh, lie that by Kamala Tomini that, um, uh, Megan make, um, Kate cry. Do you know the 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 when you hear that story and she reported it at the time we didn't believe it the Sussex squads, but many people actually believe that. Believe that you know what I mean? Making the 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 you know make the English rose cry, and what that mean? What does that entail? So we all know, you know what happened. And there was a lot of hate that come from that because of that mention. And just to find out, it was the other way around. I don't remember seeing any apology. I've never seen any redactment about that. In fact, you know, even um, during an, air, an interview, and they had actually about it. Said, "Well, maybe does maybe that you know she she make her cry and and get you know you know maybe little cry or it's like she 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 will never." One of the thing I noticed about this particularly woman, you know, and I think um, well, Sussex always saying that, and it's so true. She knows how to get out of a situation and create something else. Do you understand what I mean? She will never come out to actually apologize about something she may have said or something that she misled people to believe or think in a different way. Uh, you talking about Kate? Huh? No, I'm actually talking about uh, Kamala Tamini. Yeah, so she, she's very good at sort of, you know, making excuses. Very good at that. Charles. And I'm just thinking about everything. I mean, just... The implications behind the lies. I'm thinking about the intent, as you were talking about, what truly makes a lie a lie, which is basically the intent to deceive, regardless if it's true or not. I'm also thinking about the spread of lies and the volume and then the method of delivery and how they compound each other and, and how they shape perspective. Um, I've said this many times on this show, but you know, you know, it's it's said that history is written by the victors, and so those lies go down in history. That's what they're there for. They're a historical record, when, especially when they're put into print. When they're put in, when they're put there by people in a place of authority, they carry more weight than just some Joe schmo. And so you have to treat them as such, and you have to treat them seriously, and. That has consequences. It has consequences for everyone. And the consequences specifically for Megan and Harry is that, um, you know, how much distress they're in 
and how much hate there is for them because these people have literally garnered and churned these people into a frenzy that they're somehow a threat. And it's all, you know, is is all from this from the spoken word. It's all, you know, it's truly what they say that the pen is mightier than the sword. And I think we see it play out in in, you know, and fair to say here. Um, you know, and especially these days about, you know, how the lying I think is going to get even more aggressive. It's going to get more pervasive and it's going to get more insidious because when you start thinking about it, like you have the ability to fake a video now is easy. It's child's play. It takes two seconds to make anybody look like they've done anything or Or say anything or say anything. And that's right. People are going, you know, now you basically are having, you know, if it's, you know, these tabloids or editors or whomever else putting words in people's mouths that they've never even said or trying to, you know, take things out of context, you know, you have these diabolical things that's been happening for years, um, but now it's going to even intensify even more because they have more tools at their disposal um, and the people who don't know any better it gets much more difficult to actually prove the fact of what's uh, what's true and what's not it's going to get much more difficult to discern those two things um so i think we're going to have to be even more village um in the future to make sure that we really know what we're talking about and that we truly look into and then you know and understand who's really a credible source you know you mentioned that i was going to you know, talk about something a little bit later in the show, but giving the conversation we are having is probably the right time to actually um, bring that. It's um, one I actually saw from uh, Royal Sussex um, this week. It was this um, tweet or maybe, I, I don't know if it was a tweet. It was uh, from the Daily Mail. And so, you know, can you can you talk what it was, what they did? I think if they might remove it, I'm not sure if they remove it, but it seems like one of the squads, um, squaddies just kind of they click. You know, yeah, you know. unfortunately, it's not the first so, time that we've seen that sort of thing happen. It's actually part of a, a pattern, um, uh, which is a which is a much larger problem that we need to address. But it's what you're what Lady Sussex is referring to is actually the Daily Mail's tweet that shows um, a headline about the Pittsburgh shooter um, who had shot up, I believe it was a mosque, and killed 11 uh, people. Um, and It wasn't, it was a synagogue. It was a synagogue. <clears throat> and, uh, and with that, head, uh, so accompanying that headline uh, were pictures of John Boyega and Jamie Foxx, who are two men of color, when in fact yeah. the shooter was a white guy named Robert Bowers. Um, and so that idea of someone scrolling, not knowing the details, not knowing really that much about it, all they're going to get hit with is, uh, this headline about a shooter killing 11 people and seeing two pictures of, uh, two black men. And that, that reaffirming this sort of, this association that's been created by that type of false and deceptive uh communications in 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 news media for for decades absolutely it it was very i couldn't believe 
I seen this and, and, and I hope that, you know, or I'm sure there will be a couple calls for some lawyers be, because, yeah. you know, and, and actually yeah. it's, it's a, it's a good, um, segue back to the end of what, um, Nathan Rotenstrike had been writing about with his, his journal titled online, um, because he goes into the ethical history and how it's been looked at in the past and not just what is a lie, but what are the implications? Um, and so he's, he lays it out with the work that has been done by those who came before, like uh, Emmanuel Kant saying that lying is something that is a betrayal of one's own self. Um, and is in one sort of school of thought of thinking about what is the implication of a lie. The next school of thought is lying as a betrayal of your fellow human beings. Um, and both of those are not, uh, overly, uh, kind of out there. They're, they make sense. They're, they seem intuitive. But the third one is the one that actually seems, um, it's not as obvious, and it actually seems to be one of the most important ones, especially to what Charles was just talking about with how the world is changing so uh, rapidly today, and really thinking about when we get a setting up uh, uh, the next word that we're going to get into, um, is that the lie itself is a betrayal of reality. Um, and the idea is that when you lie, you're not only offending against yourself and offending against others, but you're also offending against reality uh, because you're trying to make someone believe uh, facts or a situation that's not supported by uh, reality. Um, and from this point of view, it follows that a lying man offends um, those beliefs and the feelings which are supported by that authority of reality, which I think is a, it's an important, it's an interesting idea. And it's also an important one because it's almost getting into the place of how do you, how do you stay grounded in reality? Um, and that these sort of lies um, when you're hit with them enough and with enough frequency, you can sort of become detached uh, from, from reality. Um, and that is a, uh, it's a, uh, he, he even writes himself, this, this last mentioned trait is very important since it indicates an attempt to treat the question of lying, not just as a phenomenon belonging to the domain of social relations in terms of how we, uh, relate to one another, but really as a principle, uh, in, in terms of just how the world exists in and of itself and something that we need to spend more time thinking about. Absolutely. Um, um, Charles. no, I think it's, I think it's just that I think there's. A lot of things that we do need to spend some time just thinking about and understanding, you know, where do we go from here? Well, you know, and well, then, and then, cause there's, there's a lot there, there, you know what I mean? There's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to understand. There's a lot to, um, to consider in terms of what is the true meaning of, of, of how to process this new world that we live in, because indeed, you know, this is a brand new world. And I think we need to, um, we need to better prepare ourselves. And I think, you know, to be honest with you, I think that this group that we're in, the Sussex squad is a great way to actually battle against that because there's a safe space of, of how do you have someone who goes out and does that thorough research and then the cross vetting that's necessary in order to understand what's truth and what's not truth. And then also, um, understand kind of how these things work and then, and then process that information in a way that's, that's, uh, a healthy as opposed to something that could be that could be negative absolutely and 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 i think to get in into our next word
Don't go yet. There's there's a lot there's a lot on lie, um, and we sort of touched on it a little bit. But one of the ideas that I think is really important, especially as we get into the next word, um, is the idea that a lie uh, is is many things and can take many forms. Um, and so to, to tee that up, there's another article t- titled "On Lying and Deceiving" by David Backhurst. It's actually in the jur- <laughs> it's actually in the Journal of Medical Ethics. Um, and what he writes is, uh, actually in response to, uh, another person's article, which had been a defense of doctor's rights to deceive patients. And so this author is, is contesting that and disagreeing with that. So what he writes is Jackson, who's the other author, Jackson maintains there is a general moral difference between lying and intentional deception. While doctors have a prima facie duty not to lie, there is no such obligation to avoid deception. Um, and so he, he goes on and, and, and talks about those two things and basically goes to saying that the, his, the distinction that this, uh, this other person, this other author is making is the difference of two, two parts. One, the actual speaking, the telling of the lie, uh, versus sort of deceptive actions, uh, and whether or not it's successful. And he, and this author disagrees with that on both counts, but it also just brings to the fore the idea that, uh, deceiving the, if, if, if the area of lying that we're going to focus on for now anyway is this sort of intentional deception, uh, that isn't just through spoken wor- or, or written word. It's also in uh, behavior. It's also in actions. It's also in the creation of situations. Um, even the way in which, and this is something that we see all the time, even the, in the way in which facts or information is said the intonation of it <laughs> can be meant to be deceptive can be meant to be uh part of a part of a lie um and and that is on top of the fact that lying can also be not just oh here's the, the truth i'm going to tell you the opposite i'm not it's not just a matter of the very clear-cut example of no megan didn't make kate cry kate made megan cry that's a, that's the, that's obvious that's the clearest example of 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 telling a lie but it also can be things that are much more subtle in terms of just omitting certain details omitting uh certain certain facts that then make the rest of the facts seem very different and 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 again that intent to deceive uh that's why that that language of that's tied to the judicial system is i mean it's you swear to tell the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth the significance of what does that actually mean is because otherwise if you leave any out any one of those things you can still get to a point of lying effectively through some form of deceit even though you may be working with parts of a of a whole truth um and so that is a a thing that is even more important to think about in the context of not just how do we relate to one another as human beings, but the relationship we have with media uh, and with the tabloid media specifically, because that idea of able to being able to omit certain things or the intonation with questions are asked, all of that can still can be lies in that idea of their intent to deceive, even when it's working with different pieces. I mean, you think about what's going on in the court right now. What, why, why is that? You know, Harry, it's it's fighting for really not just you know the lies and and everything else you know that have happened. You know, that whether it's things that they point out wasn't true or how that impact and how that affect him, and so do many of all the people. 
you know, this is the whole point. This is where we are right now. You know what I mean? It just, you know, I mean, the personal things that, you know, they had, they, they make it seems or appear to be one thing when it's not. Is that something completely different? Well, the thing that I think we all just need to realize is that the intent to deceive is also the intent to manipulate. And that's what's basically going on is the hand in hand nature behind what the lie is for. And the lie is for actually manipulating and, and trying to achieve a certain objective. And so in this case, there's basically an objective behind it, but it's still basically the root of it, still that lie. Exactly. And I think that actually brings up the last thing I will say for, for a lie before we go on, because it is um, bringing it all together in terms of what you just did, Lady Sussex. So like, how does that tie to the reality of what Harry's doing right now and why that's important um, is not a, not an academic uh, journal. Actually, it's a, it's a, an interest group, it actually seems. And so just to be clear, this is not meant to be nonpartisan. This is from a group called the Media Reform Coalition. Um, and they published a, uh, a a blog post, I suppose is probably best described as, um, titled, The Lies of the Tabloid Press Reveal the Need for Accountability. And this was published back in 2013 by Guy Taylor. And so again to what you were just saying lady sussex and also to what you were saying charles the the reason behind it and for everyone to always have that in mind whether it's about harry and megan or whether it's writing a headline about the uh, the killer uh, in pittsburgh and putting two uh, pictures of two black men when in fact it was a white killer what do all of those lies uh, mean and what's the point behind them that we need to watch out for I think this this author did a did a good job. <clears throat> so what he writes is first the crime. Journalists and editors wishing to make sensationalist headlines, playing loose with the facts and not bothering to even think things through, let alone get their premise confirmed. So two reports state that there are 600,000 economically inactive EU migrants living in the UK. The EU, who commissioned the reports, conclude there is relatively little to prove the significant impact of benefit tourism, which has been a premise for government immigration policy. The Sun's chief political correspondent, Kevin Schofield, gleefully tried to claim that 600,000 benefit tourists were here and condemned the EU immigration policy for the, uh, the EU commission for their lack of concern over this problem. The resulting article appeared on page six of the sun on the 21st of October, taking up four wide columns at the top of the page with the block capital headline reading EU are kidding Brussels UK's 600,000 benefit tourists, quote unquote, no problem. Now the facts, the report showed that the number of non-active EU migrants in Britain was 611,000 last year. So Mr. Schofield alleges any any economically inactive EU migrant over the age of 15 in the UK is claiming benefits. Children over 15 are ineligible for most benefits in the UK. This also this figure also includes students, of which there are about 132,000. Uh, it also includes spouses of people working, mostly living with their partners and existing as a household on one income. Pensioners are also included. So it's obvious that the 600,000 figure is substantially distant from the true number. Then we have the reaction of the EU Commission. In the light of the constant briefings pumped out by the anti-EU wing of the Conservative Party UKIP and the right-wing press in the UK, it is understandable for the EU to request that scare stories and myths are either substantiated with hard figures or dropped from the rhetoric in use. The consultants concluded 
and I won't read them all, but basically the opposite of everything that the, the, those stories were trying to write this. Then he goes on, he says the need for press accountability reminder that the victims of gung ho media are not purely the celebrities and unfortunates hacked by those currently on trial at the old Bailey. And this is again, this is 2013. So, uh, it is, it is very topical still. He, he goes on, he says the stereotyping and scapegoating practiced by the press is perhaps more insidious and sinister. The recent death of a young Italian waiter in Maidstone kicked to death by a gang accusing him of stealing their jobs cannot be directly attributed to the relentless portrayal of migrants coming to undercut native or previous migrants in the job market here, but it surely has an effect. To be sure, the only people who should bear the blame for low wages in labor markets with high number of immigrants are the people paying the wages, not the unfortunates receiving low pay. Um, and he goes on and on uh, about those those sort of ideas, and, and basically the the conclusion being that there need there there needs to be accountability. But that is the point that why it's potentially so important is that yes, there is the impact on people like Harry and Megan, people who have a, a higher profile and, and stature. And that is certainly important, but there is a whole group of people who aren't able to speak for themselves or defend themselves that end up suffering because of those lies that are told and, and, and portrayed in, in that media. And that's why I think Harry said at one point, he said, if, if not me, <laughs> I think he said something along the lines of, if, if I can't stand up to these people, then who can, you know? And, and that's why, why I think at least for, for us here, one of the reasons why we feel it's so important to, to help support that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it remind me of a story that um, Royal Sussex um, Baron um, featuring this week as well. It was regarding the governor of um, California. And there was this story, I think he must have been on facts or with one of the um, facts uh, hosts where he was challenging him or saying to um, the governor, uh, why basically, you know, alluding that, you know, there's a lot of people that moving out of California to Florida, you know, and we all know what's in Florida. So when in, he, he, I mean, the governor just kill it and his response, you know, I hope you guys go to World of Sex and watch that show because it was really, really, really incredible. You know, he did a great job, but his response to him was just like, really, seriously, are we going to go there? How many people from, you know, uh, Florida that moved to California in the economy, the fact that, you know, I think it's like the fifth largest economy in the world. So it was, it was, it's, it's massive. But again, it's this kind of like, information you know that they are putting out there to mislead to for whatever the reason that they choose to put these things out you know it's certainly clearly they have an agenda for something else so um as we're moving to our next word the word hate and you could see why we choose lies i choose lies and hate because a lot of lies, you know, it's one thing that we didn't mention, the cause, the price that many people pay on their life for a lie. I mean, you can go back from sort of um, maybe centuries or 
sort of hundreds of years when people was getting their head chopped up just because of a lie. We have people in our community that been incarcerated for years because of a lie. We have people hurting people out there because of lies. So when you think of the word lies, it's really synced in really well with hate. Because to me, in my opinion, it is my opinion that many hates come from lies. And that's how I'm choosing to look at it. So it's because of that. I would love for you, Charles, to tell me where is the definition? Where is that word come from? Hate. Sure. So hate, as I mentioned before, um, this doesn't have as many definitions as lies. Um, but I think it's just as strong and certainly just as old. So its first known use was also in the 12th century. And it also has roots in Middle English, Old English, Dramatic, Old Saxon, Gothic, Indo-European, Middle Irish, Old Welsh, Greek, and Latin. So when you get all the way to the end of it, I thought it was actually kind of interesting just in terms of the derivative, in terms of where hate came from. In Greek, in ancient Greek, it means grief, pain, and calamity. Those are the three things that basically join in terms of what they're trying to, to mean in terms of hate. So the first gen, uh, definition here is the intense hostility and aversion usually deriving from fear, anger, or sense of injury, which I think is spot on. B is much more straightforward. Extreme dislike or disgust as in loathing. The next is a systematic or especially political exploited expression of hatred. So, for instance, a crime motivated by hate and bigotry. Mm -hmm. And then finally, it's basically uh, an object of hatred, a, gener a generation whose finest hate had been big business is kind of the example that was given. So again, I think all of these are concepts that we are familiar with in terms of the word hate. It's not like lies. It has lots of different meanings depending on obviously the context and the usage. It is just what it is. So there is an interesting uh, backstory, oh, backstory or some, uh, an, an interesting example that I was, that I found um, on someone who I've actually mentioned before. But um, a little bit more of her story. So there was Mary Tudor, who was the only child of King Henry VIII and Catherine of Aragon to survive into adulthood. Mary took the throne in 1553 and was reigning as the first queen regent of England and Ireland, seeking to return to England to the Catholic Church that Henry has so graciously excommunicated when he decided to create the Church of England. She literally persecuted hundreds and hundreds of Protestants and actually earned the moniker Bloody Mary. That's who we know as Bloody Mary. And she died in 1558. 
So now in terms of like overall hate and what that has to do with Bloody Mary, the interesting thing is, is that, um, as I mentioned before, she was actually, she, uh, ascended the throne at 37 where she basically remained childless. She actually married Philip II of Spain. One of the main reasons why she married Philip II was because it was a very Catholic country. And she wanted to, she was very, very um, radical even about trying to convert and bring the church of the Catholic church back to England. And the interesting thing is, is that actually the public was on her side. Most of the public was actually still Catholic because Henry just did it for his own devices. It doesn't mean that the actual population changed their religion. It just simply means that actually the official religion of what was recognized by the monarchy had changed, but everyone else's basically had stayed the same. So the public opinion was actually on Mary's side. However, because of the crazy response and the persecution she had against the Protestant church, the public response um, to that and her marriage was extremely, extremely unpopular. And she was actually pressed on repealing many of uh, King Henry VIII's religious edicts and actually replaced them with her own, um, which included these really, really, really strict heresy laws. And she actually burned over 300 Protestants at the stake. And because of that, um, it actually earned her the title and the moniker Bloody Mary, but it actually came from the people. So the representation of where the hate actually derived from is actually how people felt about their own queen because of her own actions. Absolutely. Oh. That's crazy. Josh. Really look at Bloody Mary, the drink again, the same. Yeah, that's where it comes from. <laughs> um, so yeah, another another huge word. <laughs> there's there's a lot to it. I think uh, before even getting into the journals, just to go back to what you were saying at the beginning, Lady Sussex is really important um, because I think you're exactly right. I think the lies um, are the. I don't know if it's the it's the the fertile soil or if it's the fuel. I don't know what the right uh, analogy is, but it is that which creates hate. It is that which makes hate possible, makes it grow. Uh, and it, it became that idea was something that you sort of, at least for me, sort of in, intuitively believed or understood, but didn't really connect the dots until having uh, gotten ready for this service. Is that um, to go back to what Charles just said in the first definitions of, and actually even the, the etymology of it, where in the Greek it's about this grief and this pain, uh, and in one of the first definitions it's about um, sort of anger and, and confusion, and uh, I don't know if you want to read the, that first definition again, Charles, but the, the idea is... You, those emotions that you are feeling come when you are feeling disconnected, when you are feeling uh, insecure, when you are feeling uh, unsure, when you have, um, when it's not clear who is the reason or what is the reason for your pain, um, when you're dis effectively disconnected from reality. And that last 
uh, author that we had looked at when we were talking about lies, one of the things it does, it's not just about the fact that you're hurting someone by lying to them or that you're hurting yourself by lying. The fact is when you lie, you're effectively separating reality from what it is. You're separating the, the reality that people perceive, that what goes on in, in everyone's collective minds, especially when you are the big, big media. Um, you separate this sort of how they perceive the world and the, and the reality that exists as they perceive it from what the reality actually is in and of itself. And that is what that separation is what actually is making the hate possible because it's misdirected. It's not, you're not understanding what's truly going on. Absolutely. I, I, I agree. When you think of why the Sussex Squad is even exists, why Tina and Michelle created what become like a huge platform for everyone to, you know, say, what is going on? What is going on? Why is it that they are picking at this woman? From the moment that, you know, we was aware of her existence, for those of us that probably didn't know her, you know, ensued. Once they announced that, you know, she was um, Harry, Prince Harry, love interest, then she become his fiance to now his wife. The kind of harassment lies after lies and a lot of those lights turn into hate and we even hear from the police metropolitan you know how much hate and vile stuff that they cannot even repeat on national television against this woman and it all come from lies and sometimes, as I said again, I often think, what if it was the other way around? What if this woman, who she is, what she's about, everything we have come to know about her, her philanthropic work, how long she's been at it, the advocacy, you know, for women and, and, and young girls. That is something that, you know, all of us, any one of us should be proud of. And yet, the price this woman is paying every day. And my hope and I pray God that her, that their children won't have to deal with that. Maybe perhaps the work we are doing here, all the Sussex squads are doing and, and, and the fight that Harry is having at the court. Maybe will lessen some of this hate. So, Judge, how should we see it? How should we look at it? And what are they saying out there about this really massive, huge word? Yeah, it is. It is huge. It is uh, to to as you were just uh, elaborating. Super important to think about and understand uh, because of the implications it has on so many. Um, and also just understand important in terms of understanding how it ties back to 
the the lies and kind of what even creates it in in the first place and why as, as Charles was mentioned what's really the motivation behind creating it in the first place um one of the first uh uh journal articles is actually by a a uh, author who has some really fantastic books and would recommend uh, everyone to check them out is Edward L Glazer uh who contributed to the quarterly journal of economics with a uh, article titled the political economy of hatred and so just to read the the abstract, because I think it even does a, a fantastic job in, in and of itself, it says, uh, this paper develops a model of the interaction between the supply of hate-creating stories, uh, in this case from politicians, and the willingness of voters to listen to hatred. Hatred is fostered with stories of an out-group's crimes, or at least supposed crimes, but the impact of these stories comes from repetition, not truth. Hate-creating stories are supplied by, again, in this case, politicians, when such actions help to discredit opponents whose policies benefit an outgroup. Egalitarians foment hatred against against rich minorities. Opponents of redistribution build hatred against poor minorities. Hatred relies on people's accepting rather than investigating hate-creating stories. Hatred declines when there is private incentive to learn the truth. And in this case, and I think it's, it's brilliantly done from an economics perspective, he says there's increased economic interactions with a minority group in whichever the minority, however it's defined, but increased economic interactions may actually provide that incentive, the one that uh, creates uh, the need uh, that actually perpetuates or, or helps get rid of uh, the, the hatred. So that to me was just a, a, a brilliant articulation of what uh, is really happening because there's the 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 function of the hatred and and how it can be used uh, and why it is used, but also specifically the fact that it is not something that is based on truth. It's it's frequently just it's based on just the repetition. And we talk about how many times these lies get pumped out daily, and it's the same story over and over again. And it's in all of the different publications. Um, and it's not doesn't matter that it's not true. It's just the fact that it's being repeated so much ends up creating that hatred. Uh, and and when you talk about uh, the re- reliance of it, hatred relying on people accepting it rather than investigating it, that again speaks to just the importance of what the Sussex Squad does. Um, because when you actually go and investigate and you find out what's really going on uh, and you have that private incentive to do so, that's actually what dispels that hatred. Absolutely. I mean, when you think of, you know, what is happening, you know, in England right now, you know, with the immigrants and you think of, you know, even here, you know, um, it's, it's, it's all lies. I mean, you have most, if not, you know, sort of immigrant that come here, they, they leaving home for a reason for whether it's for safety, whether it's for economic reason and willing to do pretty much any type of work, work that, you know, people from that particular country probably don't want to do, but needed necessary to be done. But yet they are the one that more likely to be blamed, you know, for anything that goes wrong. Do you understand what I mean? And, 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 and the power of hate. And as I come to not fully understand what tribe it or what cause it, what is the effect? Because, you know, it's, it's, it's my understanding 
this been with us for a very, very long time, probably centuries. And you, the effect of it, the, the, the fact is, is that, you know, the prize that many of us, especially in our community, the black community, the Hispanic community, you know, paying a huge price, the, the, the Arab, the Jewish community, you know, and you're wondering what thriving that, what, what causing that. That's actually really an interesting idea you bring up is, uh, and, and as, uh, Edward Glazer wrote, um, a lot of it is about, uh, how you define the in-group and the out-group. And that goes back to the very beginning of human civilization in terms of the sort of more our tribal nature of we have like groups that we get together with and we live with in, in community to take care of one another. And if you're not in our community and, and we're hunter-gatherers, you're some other group way over there, we don't know if we can trust you. We don't know anything about you. We probably are scared of you and, and potentially – want to either stay away from you or take your stuff or whatever it is to survive ourselves because it's just, that's the beginning of what's going on. Um, but it, it's, uh, thinking about that time going back far enough, it makes you wonder whether or not that was hatred that they ever felt in terms of how we conceive of it in a, in a, in modern society. Um, or if it was not so much, it's not really hatred, but there's certain instincts and, and, uh, survival mechanisms and how do you protect oneself? And there's so obviously, a, a, it's not like they're all necessarily peace loving. There's always been conflict. Um, but I don't know if it's, it seems like it may not even be the same kind of hatred as we have, uh, that we see in, in modern society. I think, I think my problem, again, I am very misinformed when it comes to what, you know, cause someone to hate somebody that you don't know that you never even be in the same room with just by a lie that you know you heard about that person how many times you yourself probably tell a lie or probably how many times that you know what a lie been affecting you personally and 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 what causing that and so for me you know looking at this word and see the effect of it and you're wondering in a modern society as powerful as this nation is and the world you know we 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 move forward we and technology and everything there is a lot to go around so it's i don't know is it really about economic or what is it or what is it there must be something else just that. Because if the understanding that we need those immigrants, you know, because again, right now, England, it's having huge problem. The fact that they don't have people to actually do the work that they convince the English that somehow these immigrants are coming in to take your job away. You well, I think, you, I think it actually gets I, back I, to like, like, the very root of the definition because the first definition, because it comprises all three things, it's fear, 
Well, I'll read the full, the full definition, the full first definition. Intense hostility and aversion, usually deriving from fear, anger, or sense of injury. What? And what you mentioned, what? all three of those items are what's being sold to those people. They fear the loss of their job. They're basically displacement in society. They're angry over the fact that, you know, what they're coming in, you know, what they used to sell and, and, and lie on black people is the fact they're going to come and like, you know, and dirty their blood or basically, you know, steal their women or, or whatever angry about else. the fact that a loaf of bread costs eight bucks. You know, yeah. a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. You got that. And then also just this, you know, this, this false sense of like injury. And, you know, and the fact that, okay, well, you know, because you'll take my job, then what that means is that I won't have, I won't have any way to kind of provide for my family or whatever, or, or whatever other kind of perceived sense of danger or injury that, that's basically there. But they provide all of these things and these things are the seed of hate. And so, again, they're actually manipulating these people in order to feel these things. They're not saying them just willy-nilly. They're saying specific things in order to garner a reaction because they know explicitly how to actually foster hate. And the thing is, it also ties to specifically the stories and, and the lies about Harry and Meghan because it's those same ideas of, of fear, of a sense of injury, um, because – if you look at how they actually frame up what she's supposedly ostensibly doing, according to them, is things that are, oh, she's uh, failing to fo follow these protocols. And so she's damaging the monarchy or she's she was at the time uh, jeopardizing the queen or disrespecting the queen or disrespecting our country or she's the reason to, there's wasting money or even even literally the avocado nonsense about that she's causing this this uh, genocide and war and, and murder like all of those things that that was very specifically the those headlines those stories were very uh specifically tied to create those things that end up being that which hatred is derived from and it didn't matter to them that it had no, it didn't and, and they know it did, has no need for it to be based in truth whatsoever all that it needs is to be repeated sufficiently I, I, absolutely. I, I, I think this is the time that, you know, we, there was an incredible call at the, um, Jeremy Vine show. And it was also play, I'm sure you guys, Sussex Squad, that you probably have heard it, um, and, um, Sussex Royal. And I would love to play this piece. And so you can, guys can see really what is at play and even now people are coming to term in that kind of understanding that you know how you they phrase the words and what that words can be done that question or that question that they ask we'll, Let's we'll play the together. clip but we're in, and we won't we promise we won't tell baron that you keep switching up his name oh god you guys just want to get me into trouble baron no, you said sussex royal royal sussex Okay, let's listen. Carol from Berkshire, what's your views on this? Have we lost interest in Harry and Meghan? Have they fallen out of favour? No, you haven't, because here they are again being discussed on television. So it's quite clear, without Harry and Meghan's name, there is very little else to discuss about the royal family. Let's be honest, we all know the others are extremely boring. Mm -hmm. And actually, 
even with even if harry didn't write his book spare there is a lot of us with common sense who could see what the british media were doing it's quite obvious that there's always in-house fighting from all the palaces and it's quite clear that the palaces for years since the days of diana been sharing information so people aren't silly what what happens is is production team always throws out some question about harry and megan waiting for negativity but people get it people know that harry's not being treated but right listen, we don't always get way. negativity sometimes with carol we get individuals like yourself no, calling up and taking part in the conversation yeah um, no i know you get i know you get positive comments as well i'm wondering i, I know you get positive comments but what i'm saying is it's the question sometimes have people fallen out with harry and megan which could trigger the hate which we've just seen from the guy i have to agree with narinda on this harry and megan are loved around the world Sorry. trust Carol, I, I, I object to you saying, firstly, that it is hate, but secondly, they oh, could always... They could okay. always... Let's, not, let's not pretend it's not a build-up of hate. Let's be real. Toxic media, the toxic TV, it's been relentless Carol, on Harry Carol, And yet Philip Schofield was just in the news for two weeks, and how many people were saying, get off his back, so listen when you guys listen to that you listen to what the woman said it says you know it's in the question how they phrase the questions right and that questions you know going to provoke certain answers and those answers sometimes come from a very deep Place. Absolutely. And that's the whole thing. Even going back to uh, how a lie can be a lie is that it's, sometimes it really doesn't matter on uh, the, the how much of it is true if it is intentionally meant to deceive and uh, altered in such a way. And so to the, the intonation, the idea how they ask the question or what they're actually doing, that is all meant to deceive. So that's part of that, that same package. And it's why those two things, those two words are so important to understand how they, how they work together. And I think to, to take that again, one, one sort of a side note, how it uh, frequently ties to Megan and Harry. Um, and we see it from, a lot of the comments from the Sussex squad about this sort of, uh, and it was even from one today in terms of the envy and, and the jealousy that uh, many people feel toward them. Uh, it was a quote from Lord Chesterfield who said, people who hate those who make them feel their own inferiority. Um, and so there's certainly uh, a sense of that that comes into play here. But what's even uh, perhaps more important to think about uh, is not just, I mean, the, the how and the, and the why, is important, but then the what next uh, is equally important, um, and it is uh, put put very well, I think, in this article from uh, the Medicine Conflict and Survival Journal by Peter, uh, contributed to by Peter Wilson, who had an article titled "The Energy of Hatred and the Relationship to Violence." And he writes uh, that his paper examines the nature of the energy of hatred, in particular, its relentless, inveterate force, its intense and unbounded power. Hatred, by definition, is an extreme ill-filling. It is violent hostility, an enmity that carries enormous vigor and force. It is an animosity that violates, a loathing, a detestation, an abhorrence, 
There is nothing neutral or static about hate. The meaning of the word carries such determination to attack and destroy, to abominate, or, as in detesting, to threaten to bring an end. The overwhelming impetus is to do something strongly, unequivocally, and to not let matters be. So, for me, read that as like the first thing I read is the, the th- I thought of was the disgusting article um, that uh, Jeremy Clarkson had put out and the hatred and, and what that looked like and what that actually meant. Um, but it also brought to mind something that we were just talking about not too long ago, Lady Sussex, which is the comments uh, from Neil Basu, who was the, uh, I guess, the ex uh police assistant police commissioner of the metropolitan police who's uh commented that the uh the threats to megan and uh specifically megan at that time uh to her life and and uh to what people were threatening to do to her were absolutely vile and disgusting and incredibly real and uh were things that you if you actually saw them would probably make most people not be okay even remotely never mind survive it uh and so that is it's important to not think about hatred strictly in the academic sense of okay well how does it what why and how does it get there but also the reality in terms of practically what does that translate to in terms of how does it drive people uh, because as this author put it's not this sort of static thing it is it is actually an intense desire to do something strongly unequivocally and and frequently that translates to violence absolutely um um charles yeah i think it's um it's such a dangerous thing because it's insidious and it doesn't stop at one person it's it's like a virus it just kind of spreads depending on what you feed it and i mean we've seen it and we're such a this country is so infested with it um itself that it's it's really painful to watch and then to see it basically be experienced so vividly upon just literally just two people like two good people and you can see it kind of play out in dramatic fashion for the world to see and really kind of the extent it's almost like a microcosm of of what it means to uh, how this force is applied to groups but you can see it play itself out really well just within on these two individuals and it's systemic you have this really all-encompassing narrative that's trying to shape the world around these two people and it's um you know and it's the same narrative that's trying to be spread around everyone else but you can just see it in sharp relief just because it's so different and it's so obvious um so it's uh you know it's upsetting and at the same time i think it's also um illuminating in the fact that okay well you know it being so transparent it allows us to be careful in terms of okay what do we need to look out for well, absolutely. Uh, um, when you think about the again, what I feel like this is another lie that could spark hatred, more hatred towards uh, Megan and and Harry. Really, that was normally probably as a white man probably would not have been affected by that kind of hatred, but 
you know, because of Megan, of course, um, the association, because that's his wife, of course. And when you hear this article that was that wrote by Kamala Tamani, the less Megan and Harry earn, the more dangerous to the monarchy they may be. What does that mean? Because the word dangerous, anyone that who hear that, who is a fan of the monarchy or who is a defender of the monarchy, you are saying that they are a threat, but in a sense as though they're going to do something, something going to happen. That word can be interpreted in a million different ways. Uncertain people's minds. It, it even, Are they going even, to do even something? Just, just, even in and of itself, it positions them. It describes them as in opposition to the monarchy. When in fact, that is not the case. But if but that's just not the, the way case someone's going to read that question or read that headline, is uh, is it setting that as a pretext as a precedent that's almost to be de facto accepted because that's the way it's written. And that's like that's a perfect example of 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 everything that we've been talking about. That's right, because when you looked at, I mean, this, this is why people are having a problem, a big issues. And, and we are sort of now coming up and realizing the lies and, and, and all the, the fakeness about these people, because we all can see that what we come to understand for those of us who are new to this you know, who comes pretty much with Megan. Like, it's almost like Megan brought a whole sort of crew with her when she entered, you know, the world of Windsor. And we are learning, people are learning, you know, what it means, you know, what the some of the royals do or what they're supposed to be doing, which is service, right? Doing this kind of work and be a representation. And they, until today, they're still serving, you know, the promise that they make to the late majesty, the queen, you know, it, they are the best representation in terms of the work that they're doing, which that supposedly come with, with the title they have. And so that's why I don't really get and I don't understand how anyone who be like who looking at the work that they're doing have anything else besides say and they are supporting themselves they're not asking the taxpayers to actually fund anything that they do do you see what i'm saying and then so they have something to report this is and we can see it in real time but when you compare when you compare the others the question is, what are they doing? What are they doing? So is that what it actually is? Is that what feeding that? I mean, it, it, you know, like, please help me, Sussex Squad. Please help me. I mean, help me. How should I really look at what is going on? Because I don't really Well, the one, the one thing I will add is that thinking again about that headline specifically, because I think it's, it's a, perfect example of a lot of what we've been talking about is also just how that it is not something that stops at the end of the publication and the and the potential readership uh, of the tabloid media because its consequences are very real 
Um, and if you just think about even the way that that headline is written about how they are dangerous to the monarchy, it is not very hard to see someone who is a, uh, maybe an avid monarchist who maybe is, is suffering from their own mental health issues, getting to a place of saying, well, I want to defend my monarchy. And if I've, I've just been told that this person is a threat, is dangerous to the monarchy, then I'm going to go and take a action because I've had all of this hate instilled in me through all of this repetition of these lies about who these people are or who, who I'm being told that they are. And now I'm being told that they're dangerous. Well, then that, that in and of itself is why it is such an important subject to understand because that's, that's a real, that's a real life consequences. Absolutely. I mean, look at how they treat Philip Scottfield, right? Look how they treat it. Like how they all come out and try not just defend the foul, you know, report allegedly with that associate with this man. Or somehow that, you know what, he's in suicidal watch. That's how they portray it. And we should back up. And yet this is, they're doing even worse to two people who only doing good service. I mean, it's it's like nobody likes them. No, you know, sort of, you know, the the it's it's everything bad that they could talk about Meghan and Harry. It's a constant things, and it's almost like I my feeling with this is that sometimes even people who probably not particularly will have anything bad or anything sort of, or, you know, just don't particularly care for them or don't even know them. You hear it so much, you either start believing it or you build a hatred towards them without even knowing why you hate them. There is people who hating these two couples. And if you were to ask them any a question of why do you hate them? What is the problem? What is the problem that you have with them? They couldn't tell you. They will tell you that, you know, they overrated, it or they will tell you that, you know what, they constantly in the news as though they don't want that. Was but it's the press who's printing that. Sometimes you don't see them for months. But you would think that, you know what, that's all they do. It just, you know, find where the camera is. Or they went into the station, talk about how many interviews since Megan is being into the royal hustle that she has done. We can count in off, you know, just one hand. And it's not like she did or have done anything that, you know, either she has not done before, you know, past her life. It's nothing that, you know, all the other royals have not done. I mean, they literally have done their work the best way they could possibly, you could ask of someone to actually do their job. And they're not even asking for a sense. So this is why it's a problem. It is a problem. It is a problem. And I think the the last thing that I will add in terms of outside sources on this is is for especially oriented toward those who would maybe not describe themselves as being a part of the Sussex squad uh, or maybe for members of the Sussex squad to talk to 
other people about like why should you support Harry and Meghan, especially Harry in this uh, the lawsuits that he's got going on right now. He's actually um, from the Council of Europe, uh, and it's just some information that they posted online. Um, <clears throat> the title of it is Dealing with Propaganda, Misinformation, and Fake News, um, which lies, uh, and especially those meant to create hate, certainly fall into that bucket. Um, and what they write is that propaganda, misinformation, and fake news have the potential to polarize public opinion to promote violent extremism and hate speech, and ultimately to undermine democracies and reduce trust in the democratic processes. And I don't think that's going to necessarily surprise anyone, but what is important to realize is that is exactly what Harry's lawsuit, what the work that he's doing is meant to prevent from happening. Because if we can curtail that behavior in especially the tabloid media, that is what is going to stop that erosion of civil society. Absolutely. There is so much we can do, or but I don't think we equip to actually get in into many of the effect of hate. All we can do is, is think of Brianna Taylor, we can think of Joy Floyd, we can think of Emmett Hill, we can think of Trevin Martin, and all those people, what, what, they, what do they all have in common? It's the effect of hatred. And so... I don't know how to <laughs> leave the show how we should end. I don't know. I don't think it's something that, you know, we're probably going to be living with for a long time. But what I can say is, is that, you know, for many people, or at least the feeling, what I'm getting out there, whether it's from my friends, whether it's from people in general or people that are a victim of it, we are tired of it. We really tired of it. We need something new. We need something different. So I think all we can do is put our great Lord in front and pray. So Charles, I think it's time we should move in into any verse you may have for us that probably brings some calmness to this really fasted word, a word that, you know, I'm leaving the show at this moment. When I mean leaving, not leaving, I meant like, you know, ending, ending the show with a very heavy heart because I feel like there's so much that we are not saying that we can say. But it's not a word that, you know what, we can really tackle the way we would love to unless we are in presence of people that, you know, who probably do that for a living. So all we can do is pray for a better yeah, tomorrow. I think pray and 
talk amongst ourselves and try and garner support for what we need and what we're what we're trying to accomplish. The verses I have today actually is Matthew 15:10 through 20. And the reason why I chose it is that it's actually a parable um, of Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. And I think it was rather apt in terms of what we're talking about, in terms of lies and who says them and why. And so, verses 10. And he called the people to him and he said, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into your mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defies, defiles a person. Then the disciples came to him and said, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended by what they heard you saying? And he answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them, be, let them alone. They are blinded guides. If the blind lead the blind, both of you will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain the parable to us. And he says, Are you still not without understanding? But do you not see whatever goes into your mouth passes also what, uh, I'm sorry, uh, but do you not see that whatever goes into your mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, uh, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. These are what defiles a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Amen. And George, um, could you lead us to a prayer? Dear Lord, thank you so much for another week together. Thank you for our family, our friends, for the love that we have, for the love of one another, the love of our communities, the love of humanity of the planet, the love of truth. Thank you for the privilege of being able to be here and be of service. We recognize that this is just the start of a conversation. And this is never going to be, this was never going to be more than just the start of a conversation, but we thank you for at least that opportunity to begin to ask questions, to begin to suggest the pause, to begin to offer a place to reflect. We hope that that is something that uh, works with your service through you in making the world a better place. Please be with the Sussexes, especially Harry, as this suit continues. And uh, we wish him a, a happy Father's Day. And we wish everyone around the world a happy Father's Day. And as always, we ask that you be with those who are affected in one way or another right now and not on the best of times, whether it is because of medical issues or the changing climate that we live within or hard times just generally which of which there is no shortness of please be with all those affected amen and i would also like to extend our prayers to many of families parents mothers fathers especially on Father's Day, that who have lost someone because of hatred. We all come to 
wasn't supposed to happen. I've lost many members of our community, whether it's Jewish, whether it's black, whether it's Latino, or any minority groups who have been affected by this word. I don't know how to change it. I don't know if we know how to change it. But what we can do, it's praying. And so he will close this show with a wonderful song. And it's a song that... um. said, God got a blessing because he has blessed us and he will continue to bless us with many things and the dark days will pass. So, let's worship together. Happy Sunday. Makes no difference what you're going through. You're gonna make it. God's gonna see you through. Hold your head up, put a smile on your face. This is another test.
Fala, Black. 